Michigan State star Morgan Beetlescum has been on a tear this winter. Building on his top 10 finishes at the Outdoor Track Championships last spring, Olympic trials in July, and at NCAA Cross Country Nationals in the fall, Morgan has torched the boards indoors over the past month. He ran 7 minutes and 43 seconds for 3,000 meters at the Milrose Games, followed by an NCAA-leading 352-mile at the Windy City Invite. That mile was the fastest first sub-four mile in American history. Now Morgan sets his eyes on championship season. Earlier this week, we spent time with Morgan talking about his electrifying recent performances, the quest for a national title, and life as a grad student with an extra year of eligibility post-pandemic. I loved Morgan's perspective and spirit, and I'm sure after hearing from him, you'll be cheering him on at D1 Indoor Champs next week in Birmingham and throughout his forthcoming pro career. So without further delay, here's Morgan Beetlescum and mile 109 of Seconds Flat. This is the Second Flat Running Podcast. He's broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Blake Jones. Oh, my gosh. Morgan, welcome in. Thanks for sharing your time. And first, congrats on joining the Sub 4-Minute Mile Club. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is our pleasure. Did that feel like a long overdue Sub 4-Mile, given how much you've accomplished and how infrequently you race the mile? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, it was definitely a new experience, but uh, just going into it, knowing that it was going to be really hard and knowing it was going to be really fast. I, I knew uh, I knew I was going to at least break the four minute mark. And then, uh, you know, I knew how Cole and Cooper like to race each other. And when they just started speeding up, it was almost familiar, even though most of my experience with their races was uh, at least in the mile was on video. <laughs> so I, I kind of knew how it was going to go, uh, even though I'd never really raced them in a mile. But yeah, it was a it was a good race. It was cool to spin the legs a little bit. Yeah, well, when you break four, you do it with authority. Uh, if, <laughs> yeah. if last year after you opened uh, with a 413 mile while you were sick, someone had told you you'd be getting introduced as the NCAA's fastest miler, how would you have responded? Well, I, I'd be happy that I recovered uh, <laughs> because last year at that time, um, yeah, I, I had no idea what was going on uh, immediately after that race. And then after I did get the diagnosis, I had no idea how the rest of the season was going to go. So I was honestly just happy to run for the rest of the indoor season. And then, um, yeah, I, I think we made the most out of the rest of uh, the rest of training. Oh, yeah, for sure. Look at how the, uh, the spring, summer and fall unfolded for you leading into this. So at the Windy City Mile in the fast <laughs> heat, it's you, two pacers, and two guys going for the American record. And yep. <laughs> er early on, the announcer on YouTube says, you're just trying to hang on. 
And then at 1400 meters, you make a move on the outside at the bell and insert yourself into this race. Take us to that moment and the final 200 meters and what you're feeling and thinking. Well, uh, I was feeling a lot of pain. <laughs> Legs were heavy. No, I, I knew if I didn't, it was a use it or lose it moment. So I knew if I didn't make a move soon, I was going to lose whatever momentum I had, whatever was building up. Um, so I really, I really was just like, you know what, let's go for it. Why not? It's a race. I, I did make the move around the outside. I made the move probably if I was going to make it at that point, I probably made it a little late into the, into that straightaway, but it was just, I got to go now. And yeah, you know, it's a, it's a race when you're right there. Why not? Uh, I understand what they were going for. I knew that they were going for the American record. So yeah, I wasn't really as aggressive as I, as I could have been when I got next to, and then in front of uh, Cole, but at that point, there's no, there's no point to push somebody on the rail. There's no point to be super aggressive um, and push them into the corner. And ultimately, that cost me. Yeah, I should have, I should have pushed harder in hindsight. But at the moment, could I, could I really push harder? Um, and I, I think it's just important to, to put yourself in it. If you're there, why not? Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Wondered if you thought about as you came off the curb before onto the straight, making a move, was it crossing your mind at all earlier to try to make a move to force the action? So heading in 300 to go, I knew I was close and I was thinking, wait to 150, wait to 150, wait to 150. And then I got out of the corner and they started to push a little bit and I sped up and I'm like, I'm, if they go gradual, I might lose it. Mm -hmm. So I just went and I just made the snap decision and uh, yeah, just went quick instead of that slow buildup that I know Cooper likes. I, I tried to pull more of a coal on coal <laughs> and just drop the hammer. <laughs> Take his own move and use it against him. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I'm watching you last spring running 1320-ish, uh, mm -hmm. great performance in the five at trials then, and then where you finished in cross this fall. I've been a fan for a while, but when you made that move with 200 left and for a split second, I'm watching, you know, it was like on a brief tape delay when they, when they showed it on YouTube. I'm watching and thinking, oh my God, what if he wins? This is going to be the greatest <laughs> thing ever. I have to talk to this guy. How aware were you late in the race that I'm right in the pocket of two guys chasing sub 350, so I must be running a blistering time right now? You really don't think about time. I mean, I knew we were fast. I saw we came through uh, 800 in, and I knew we'd sped up. And I knew I wasn't running a 401 feeling that tired. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I really just wanted to, to go for it. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I'm here. Why not? I, I could win it. Uh, what if I did win it? Yeah. And it's more of, okay, I could win it. How? Just get there. If I wanted to, if I wanted to win, I would have had to get around Cooper and get on the inside before the outside, before the end of the corner without cutting them off. It had it been a race, a title race, you know, national championship, it wouldn't have been my concern. But given it was what it was, a um, little bit less aggression. And yeah, even if I did that, the odds of them going around me again were still pretty high, <laughs> given how the last 50 meters went. You know, they went, 
they went, they made their, uh, Cole made his move and continued around me on the inside. Then I started to, I started to come back a little bit. And as soon as we hit the last 50 meters, it was just, they were, they were gone, <laughs> you know? And maybe, maybe later in the season we get, we get some more training. Maybe I could have made that move at 150 and made it stick or made that same move and made it stick. But yeah, just, it's, it's still a race. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. So often uh, our fastest times are a byproduct of just racing and not being mm-hmm. consumed by the clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the outside, we heard a couple of weeks out that there would be a record attempt for mm-hmm. Tier and Hawker. How did this opportunity get presented to you and what were your goals going in? So I was supposed to be in a Saturday section, in the fast Saturday section. We were planning for that. We did a workout on Monday. And then we just did a normal run on Tuesday and I came into the office. My coach texted me at two o'clock and said, Hey, come to my office uh, before we do this workout. So we were lining up to race on Saturday. I get into his office at like two o'clock and he goes, do you want to race with Cole and Cooper? I'm like, absolutely. I do. (laughs) (laughs) And and given we're on the schedule to race Saturday, he's like, well, we're going to need to modify the workout today. You know, what do you think you need? What do you think you got to do? And I'm like, I've never been in this situation. You take it. Like, this, this is your specialty. I'll, I'll tell you how I, how I feel right now. So we, we redesigned our, our workout for the day, went out and did it. And uh, yeah, I just, I guess the whole, the mindset for, for the rest of the week was just race on set or race on Friday, get through it, run fast. It's going to hurt really really last minute <laughs> yeah well we'd like to do a segment looking at a previous week of training but it would be neat to hear how you adjusted those last few days of practice for that change in the mile timing so mm-hmm. what was the pivot like then for wednesday thursday so normally if i were racing on friday i'd work out on tuesday probably do some fartlek or threshold in them uh, at first and then come back to the track that's a mile run like 600 meters or maybe a couple 400s or 300s um, at a faster pace. And then if it's a six, do some, do some, something like that. Spin the legs a little bit. Don't get super tired. Go recover. Uh, Then the day after it would be a double, um, slow, slow runs, pre-race on Thursdays, something simple, 45-ish minutes, some strides, some time strides, hundreds, and then uh, race on Friday. What I wound up doing was a Monday threshold workout with a little bit of track work longer workout on Monday. Tuesday was just a recovery base run. And then Wednesday was another, instead of fartlicks, another threshold, shorter comeback, short track work, like 200s, get ready. Uh, 200s at pace, get ready. And then uh, just recover as much as I could on Thursday and do do my normal pre-workout routine like nothing had happened. And uh, yeah, Friday, Friday, just shake out and go for it. And you seized the opportunity. Two questions to unpack that a little bit more. You mentioned that the Monday workout was a little longer. What was the total global volume there? So I'm going to go on my Strava right now and tell you. Yes. <laughs> Normally when we go onto our indoor track, the volume does get messed up, but I'm going to tell you what it was right now. So it was uh, four miles threshold build up threshold with some light track work. Yeah. Coming down, starting at about five minute pace and come down from there. And then some, uh, some light track work after that. So yeah, that's about what it looks like. 
And you mentioned that normally you'd have that last session three days out and then two days mm -hmm. out, you're doing some really easy recovery. What does really easy mean in your world, Morgan? So wake up and I'll probably run three-ish miles, just 720 pace. Most of the time I just go for 20 minutes, but 720 pace, 730 pace, trot, whatever I feel like I need. And then in the afternoon, I'll do between an hour and 10 miles. Again, trotting, uh, start out around 720, maybe get to 640s by the end of it. Just feel good and then finish a little bit faster. Try and try and get in that rhythm of getting faster. The big thing there is what I do before and after my runs on those recovery days. So again, the 20 minutes, I'm not getting any aerobic work in. It's just shaking out my legs, getting a, getting a little stretch in, and then maybe go home and foam roll. And then dynamic drills before my later run, get some more activation drills in, uh, go to the trainers, see if, you know, if I'm feeling anything, get that work done. Again, foam rolling, like the, the basics, just any, any stretching, little bit of, um, little bit of dynamic stretching beforehand, some, some band work, whatever I may need. Yeah. I think it's really insightful for the listeners to hear that in one, how much control you show with that pacing, given what that pace means as a comparison to someone who can run 352 for a mile. And then two, that just the natural progression that you allow to occur within a run, not forcing that from the start when you get out. Yeah. So my big thing is do what I need, run what I feel like I need. Base runs are not a day to really be worrying about the watch. Some day, like my morning runs, I don't turn my GPS on. Anybody who follows me on Strava will see I'll have some, uh, some time travel runs <laughs> where because my GPS isn't on, it'll post and I'll, the timestamp will be like four or five hours after I ran. So I'll be, it'll say like, I'm doing my two runs around the same time or my first run after what, after my second run. So that was kind of weird. That's kind of weird, but, uh, it's because I don't turn my GPS on and it's, it's just whatever I feel like I need. Of course I do. I do know some mile markers around my house. So I have a general idea of how far I went or some general idea of pacing, but I really don't care. And then in the afternoon, again, just whatever you feel like you need. We just had conferences and the day after, uh, day after conferences, I went on a run and we started it, like I said, seven twenties, it was an hour started at seven twenties, seven thirties. And by the end we were six teens, six twenty for the last mile. And it just felt natural, just a natural progression. And it's not really about pace when you're recovering. It's more just feeling normal and getting back to normal. And it same goes for before that race. Um, my my 45 minute run that I did the day before uh, that Chicago mile, the Windy City mile, I was really just running at a pace that I that I wanted to to run. I was just trotting around. I I ran. I wound up running with some of the Wisconsin guys that were there. My most of my teammates were just doing like a 20 minute shakeout after they got off the bus. They did a long run in the morning. I still had my full run to do after the bus, so. After I was done trotting around with them, I trotted around with some Wisconsin guys and then I trotted around by myself for a little bit, just feeling normal. Do some, do some strides at, you know, race pace, hundred meter strides at race pace. And that's, that's really what it's about. Whatever you feel like you need. And then uh, stretching afterwards, getting to the, getting to the trainers, kicking my feet up on a wall, normal stuff. 
It, it is normal, but it is brilliant too, because knowing what you need for a day can be a hard thing in a life mm -hmm. of a runner who always wants to push and to know someone who's doing it at a high level is that wise. I, I know you've been in college for a few years, Morgan, but you're still young, man. Like you, you have, you figured that out early in the career and, and also the ability just to say, I have this incredible opportunity. Yes, I'm out of my normal routine but who cares? This presents itself once in a lifetime. Uh, the way to adapt to that too, it, it's, it's also really well done. Heck Thank of a you. performance. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It, it's just about seizing the opportunity. And when you go into races, nothing's going to go perfect ever. If you, if you count on everything to be perfect as a runner, whether it's racing or just base runs or just fun runs with friends, probably, probably not going to go well very often. Mm -hmm. So do what you can and ignore what you can't control. Yeah, that's right. Well said. Uh, what's your favorite training session? So I really like intervals. We'll do, we'll do some mixed intervals. Those are kind of fun. So later in the outdoor season, we'll do some 1200s and 400s, some uh, 1200s at uh, like 5k pace and then 400s at around 60 seconds, 58 to 60 seconds. So those workouts are pretty, those workouts are pretty fun. Um, you definitely, you can tell what you're getting out of it and it, it's really applicable to races because it's not just strength. It's also a mentality thing and being able to shift those paces. We do it with a light rest. So it's a really, really tough workout, but once you get through it, you, uh, you feel like a different person. You feel pretty, pretty ready for pretty prepared for the rest of uh, the season. We normally do it around championships too, where there are a lot of sudden moves so that's a that's a good one but i really like our k workouts and uh our we do a lot of k intervals and those are those are pretty cool just unlimited rest again and by the end you're really ripping and that's those are really workouts where uh, you start to doubt yourself <laughs> after a couple bouts and then you'll hit two more and you'll be just you'll be moving around the track and after you're done you're like that's it <laughs> Hey, I want to come back in a little bit to that championship racing that you brought up there and the value of that mixed session. So we'll dig into that just a little bit more at the end. For the locals here, you nearly skipped this extra season of eligibility to take a job here in the upstate at Michelin. Yep. There, there's a great running and outdoors culture here. Did you get to spend some time in the area? I didn't. So most of my, most of my experience with Greenville was, uh, was online. I actually, I had an apartment, uh, that I was about to, about to put my deposit on pretty close to the mountains, um, at a, at a nice dog park for me and my dog. And, you know, I really, I really had it all planned out. I was gonna, you know, I had my commute mapped out how far, if I, if I could bike most of the year, like I was pretty excited. And I was, I was ready to continue my running as a uh, semi-pro or amateur for while I was working with, working with Michelin. And then, yeah, the opportunity came along to uh, run at the trials. And I'm like, you know, there, this whole thing might not be over. Uh, no, I can't blame you for that. What was the job <laughs> position? I was a research and designer, research and development engineer at, uh, at Michelin. So I, have my, I had my undergrad degree uh, in electrical engineering. I'm now getting my master's degree in electrical engineering. So I was going to use that and, uh, and work with Michelin. So what does the graduate school engineering course load look like on that track? I know as we've tried to coordinate this, you're a busy man right now between racing and school. Yeah. So um, the big thing is a lot of these 
grad programs, a lot of these grad courses, you have projects that you have to manage on your own time on top of the homework and the exams. So it's like any undergrad course where you do have your regular weekly homework, biweekly homework, or even uh, twice in a week um, homework assignment generally takes two or three hours, sit down, study the material. And, you know, I, I'm online still. Uh, most of my classes are hybrid. So I do, I study the lecture material and do the homework kind of at the same time. That saves a bit of time. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that takes up a good chunk of time. And then we have self-managed projects for almost every class. So that's a lot, trying to set those schedules. Um, fortunately, a lot of them I could do while I'm on the road. A lot of the stuff I can do while I'm on the road. But I also work in a lab. So, you know, today I had my weekly lab meeting. We went and did some design work. We were taking a, we're just at the next step of our project. So we're trying to plan ahead, do some of that. And uh, yeah, like I said, got back from conferences. So I was working on stuff while I was down there in Ohio. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. It's really two different worlds. Um, when I'm at practice, it's just something completely different than, uh, than the engineering work. But they're good breaks from each other. Yeah, I'm sure that that uh, allows you to enjoy each and put it in its place and focus when you're in that moment. And I hope you do get a chance to, to get back down here. Is there uh, ice and snow on the ground in East Lansing today? What's the weather like up there right now? Oh, yeah, it's about 30, 35 degrees. It's a beautiful day, 35 and sunny. There's snow on the ground. Um, it's melting. But, yeah, we're, we're getting into mud season. Um, my floors are getting mopped at least once a day because like I said, I have a dog and he likes to go run around in the snow and the mud and, uh, yeah, it's, it's mud season here in Michigan. Well, 60 and sunny today in the upstate right. of Oregon. So yeah. Any regrets about not taking that job and lining up in the Greenville Track Club Corporate Shield races and dusting all my buddies rather than being on the line for an American record battle with Colin Cooper? Uh, not at all. Okay. <laughs> um, I never, never had a moment since I made that phone call. You know, I, I really hope the people at Michelin get to hear how much I talk about them because I made the phone call after I had accepted the job offer and they were so supportive. I told them what I was doing. You know, they kept the door open. They're like, wow, that's really a once in a lifetime opportunity. You definitely should take that. You know, these, these type of things will be available always. Uh, these jobs will be available always. Very, very supportive, very nice people. One, one person I was supposed to work with actually reached out after the trials just great people in, in general. And I was really, I was really happy about that, but you know, getting to come back, spend another year with my team, going to, going to team camp one more time um, and actually getting to see firsthand the, the talented freshmen that we brought in develop and just knowing that we got guys like, well, we even got guys like Riley Ho coming in next year and getting to pave the way with these more elite races, like, Milrose games um, and just showing, you know, getting the team used to that type of thing uh, one more time was uh, was a huge opportunity. I never regretted it. 
Those are going to be beautiful memories, Morgan. And it's, it's beautiful that uh, you had the opportunity. And, and as you said, that the people there at the job were so great and, and supportive uh, too, that you're going to get that chance uh, again down the road. You just mentioned Milrose. Uh, just before your 352 mile, you ran a 743.2 in the 3000 at the Milrose Games. And what was a really well-executed race, I thought, watching from the outside. Have those back-to-back races changed how you and others see yourself as a national class competitor? And, and what have those races done for your confidence? You know, it was great to line up against some of the best guys in the world. Like, when you... When you get to line up next to Jordy Beamish and, you know, Cooper and Cole multiple times in a year and compete, relatively compete at, at Milrose. Yeah, you did. Um, it, it's, it's big for the confidence. Um, and, yeah, just understanding where my fitness lies and being, being the top collegiate there did more, did more for my confidence than anything. And, yeah, Charles Hicks, great competitor. Same with Wesley Kipto. And knowing that I'll see them again in, in a couple of weeks here. But it, it's just really getting to see the next level of track and field and what that's, what that's like and what I have to look forward to after this is over is really exciting. Um, it's a, it was a great trip and getting to learn, uh, getting to spend time with the pros and, and learn what they do is uh, that was a great experience as well as getting to actually race against those super fast guys. In addition to that interaction with the pros, my co-hosts and I have said the armory would be on our short bucket list of places to run. What's mm-hmm. it like to race there with all its history? I mean, it's, it feels like you're walking into a museum at first. <laughs> um, just everything that they have hanging on the walls, everything, all the people that have run there. And then uh, when you get up into the actual track, the arena, it's just a dip, different atmosphere. Um, it's like nothing that I've ever done before. Honestly, I have nothing to compare it to. I mean, you could you could compare it to a college basketball game with mm-hmm. with the smaller arenas and just people packed in, but it's it's louder than that during the race. Um, it just it feels so much bigger than uh, than the building that it is, and yeah, it's it's really a different feeling. That's so cool. And it's funny you mentioned a college basketball game because one of my first thoughts has always been maybe like Cameron Indoor at Duke, a more intimate, really loud setting for a basketball game. The, the way the fans are on top of you there at the Armory, that had to be so much fun. The same night as you ran at Windy City, records are falling at Boston in the 3,000 and 5,000. So tell us about the depth we are seeing in men's distance running at both the collegiate and professional levels and what you think is helping drive somewhat of a distance renaissance you know the depth is one thing the times and the events are are one thing but the range of the Mm. people that are running these times is something that we we haven't seen before you know you got guys that were 10k runners running super fast 3ks you got or even miles. Yeah, you got like uh, Yard Goose running insane miles. He's the NCAA record holder in the 1500, and then he's going and running 3Ks, uh, and he's running cross country. The depth is something to look at. It's insane. Yeah, the times are going to come. You know, with, with COVID, guys are getting a little bit more rest. These uh, I can't say these online classes are as strenuous as, uh, <laughs> as the in-person ones have been in the past. Um, like I said, 
most of my time in lecture is like when I'm doing homework. So I'm going back and doing all these at the same time. Definitely saves a lot of time. Saves a lot of uh, a lot of time and energy from going to and from campus or going around campus. You know, I get to I get to make my lunches. My lunches are a bit better, <laughs> um, but getting to spend more time at home, the quality of the rest and the recovery that you're getting is important. And yeah, and I mean, I'm sleeping a lot more. I can't, I, I do not doubt that I am the only one, or I, I doubt that I am the only one getting more, more sleep than usual. It's, it's a different world. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely spend more time training here at Michigan State than we have in the past. And like I said, I, I do not think that we are the only team that way. So the times don't surprise me. NCAA is getting more and more competitive. I think that with that brings attention to track and field, which fuels the competitiveness. Uh, guys are going to go out looking for grudge matches. Guys are going to be looking for for the big names. They're going to go with. They're going to go after the guys with targets on their back midseason, which normally doesn't happen until conferences or championships. Uh, you know, guys from the east side of the country normally don't race guys from the west side of the country until nationals. That isn't happening anymore. Um, people argue about the shoes, but shoes came out in 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I was running times in 2020. Guys were running times in 2020 that wouldn't compare to the times now. So, yeah, you can say it's the shoes and the innovation, but really I think it's it's the training and the recovery and the lifestyle shift of track athletes and runners in general. It's just the sport growing and it's feeding itself, which is which is great to see. And the shift of the one-trick ponies, you know, the guys that just focus on the mile 1500 to guys that are doubling and tripling at nationals and doing it very, very well, like Cole Hawker, are really feeling the sport and feeling this competitiveness. Yeah, those are really interesting thoughts. Competition is certainly the greatest performance enhancer. And you were among that group to show range that night, the way you swung down to the mile. You mentioned guys getting to see each other earlier on, Mm -hmm. chasing scalps during the mid-season rather than at the end of the year. Who's one guy you have not raced against in your career, regardless of the distance, who you would love to line up with? You know, I ran against Mario Garcia-Romo in a DMR. I got... I got the baton about 20 meters behind him. So I would, I would say we didn't really get to race. <laughs> people, people can say that we did or we didn't. Um, our, our splits were relatively similar in that, in that DMR, but I think he's a, he's a great competitor. He's so quick. <laughs> he is dangerously quick. And I really, I really want to line up against him and see, see what happens. But like I said, guys are going after each other in the middle of the season. We're seeing guys from out west. So, you know, I, I've lined up against a lot of guys. I'm yeah. also a sixth year, so I'm an old man. <laughs> if I'm going to call somebody out that I haven't raced, I'd probably be calling out a freshman like at this point. Um, so, yeah, I, I have raced against the, a, lot of, a lot of the guys in the, in the NCAA. You know, if I did go up against uh, Mario, I, I would – like to do it in an event like the 3k mm-hmm. where i'm more of a 5k guy he's more of a miler you know let's let's yeah. meet in the middle and see what happens but no it would be win or lose i think that would be a great race i do look forward to racing yard we haven't we haven't really met on the track same thing we only raced in a in a dmr i really want to see what happens 
again, win or lose. Let's see if it's a good race. Let's see how close we are. And let's, let's make it interesting. Uh, you know, national, national record holder. I, you know, you can say I'm calling these guys out, but like, <laughs> I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be entertaining. It would be really good for the sport to, to see guys like that just go in events that they're not comfortable with or that they don't normally run, you know, any, any of that. Uh, I think, I think it would be really interesting, really interesting to see. And Hey, if they want to drop down to a 600, like <laughs> an indoor 600 or an 800, I think it would be really, really interesting, uh, to see how our, how our skill sets play out in an event that neither of us are comfortable with. Yeah. Or familiar with. So yeah, just having guys like having guys like that to race would be, would be really cool especially guys that come from different backgrounds and different specializations. I think it'd be, it'd be really interesting to say the least. I wasn't going to say that you're calling them out, Morgan, but you said it. So now let's put it out there. You're calling them out. But yeah. I, I love some of those like strength versus speed battles, if you want to call it that way, where, where guys yeah. get out of their comfort zone. Those are great picks. You're right. You have raced a lot of guys over six years, and that includes guys who you know graduated five years ago if you're going to go into the professionals the opposite direction. But th- those are great picks. That, that would be fun. Okay, so we've kind of gotten to this point now what's your plan for ncaa indoor champs you know i'm going to run the 3k that okay. is that is for sure whether or not i run the mile is still up in the air like i said just got back from conferences i ran the mile and the 5k still still a little bit sore uh, i got a run to do today still so we're gonna see how that goes do do work out on thursday we'll we'll just see how that how all that goes, how I'm feeling after that. And, you know, I, I don't consider myself a miler, which is funny, but I think it's important to put yourself in uncomfortable positions, even at a national level. Yes. And if, you know, if I'm healthy and I'm not risking injury by running the mile and the three K in the same, in the same weekend, if I don't, if I don't feel over exhausted and I can do that without risking the rest of my season, I think I'm going to gain some valuable skills. This weekend at conferences, I ran ran my first mile championship, and uh, team tactics. I was I was trying to work with one of my teammates, didn't really pay off. Um, I think I I made some tactical errors. That's on me. That happens uh, against some really good guys that you can't make errors with. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know I'm gonna I want to take that that experience into the championship and see what I can see what I can do and take that experience into the three k. Uh, see what I can do there. So yeah, uh, really, really still up in the air. Okay. You mentioned big 10 champs there and you get edged out in tactical races at at Mm -hmm. big 10 champs this past weekend in Ohio mile and 5k Mm -hmm. considering that also to wrap back to your, your favorite workout session that you mentioned earlier with the 12 and four combo. Any lessons there from the tactical racing, championship style racing you experience that you think are going to make you more dangerous at NCAAs now because of what you've experienced? Yeah, you know, that mile, I probably should have been more patient. Hmm. I, I know I have leg speed. I know I can move on guys, but I probably should, should have been more patient and used it. Uh, I mean, John Davis is quick. Mm-hmm. Nobody's nobody's saying that he's not, and nobody's saying that it would not be a close race if if I did if I did wait. Um, it would be it would be down to the line. Same with Ben Beach. 
insanely quick, insanely strong. Probably would honestly, if we let it go tactical, might have put a more a few more guys in the mix. Uh, I could have gotten fifth. I have no idea. Didn't go didn't go super tactical the whole time. I took over at about 800 meters. Some people would argue. My coach might argue that if I didn't want to take it, make it tactical, I should have taken it over 200 meters sooner, 300 yeah. meters sooner. Mm-hmm. So that could have led to something different and really, really using my endurance there uh, against some of those guys. Again, we have no idea of uh, what would, what would have happened, but I think I, I went at the wrong time for an individual uh, result, but I think that put my teammate in the best position possible to score and to get points. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but I, I do look back and I think, yeah, that, that was the best spot for both of us to get points. And that's what champ, that's what conferences are. You're trying to work with your teammates. You're trying to get your teammates into the finals. You're trying to get your teammates points in the finals. So for a team aspect, I think that was the best spot to make that move. And it, it did nip me in the butt a little bit, but the 5k was a different animal. Um, 5k was tactical. I knew I wanted to rely on my leg speed and I did. Olin Hacker right now is just in form that we have never seen which is huge. I, I love that the Big Ten's competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, there was a little mix-up with a lap runner with about 300 meters to go. Probably cost me a little bit more than it should. Honestly, I think it impeded Olin about as much as it impeded me, just him being right behind me. But those are things that you hopefully don't see at national meets. I mean, after that point, with about 200 to go, I should have just committed to making the move more sudden than I did um, and just forgot about or let that let that little mix up at 300 meters to go go and just forget about it. Uh, but unfortunately, I didn't, and I had a lot of moving around to do. I got caught up with the pack um, at about 200, and I just can't let that happen in a national meet. Hopefully, we won't have to deal with lap runners in a national meet. Uh, Morgan, it's such a refreshing perspective on that both from what you can learn there and also what it meant to your team you mentioned ben veach talk about guys who have been around forever how many times have you guys raced it feels like he was a high school star at carmel like a decade ago yeah we we have seen each other a lot uh indiana goes to a lot of the same meets we do and last year when uh, we weren't allowed to compete outside of the big 10 every single one of our preseason races was in bloomington <laughs> we lined up against each other a lot Super competitive guy, super good closer, really fast. Uh, it does not surprise me that he showed out the mile. It was both of our first um, mile championships. So we were joking about that. It was it was funny. We were joking about how it was both of our first mile, you know, our big 10 miles. And um, yeah, anytime we get to go up against each other, it's really competitive. And it, it's a good, uh, good bell lap, at least. He tends to be a little bit more patient. I tend to go to the front sooner than he does, but it makes for a good bell lap, at least in indoor and outdoor. So, yeah, he's, uh, again, old guy like me. <laughs> same with same with John Davis. Same with Olin Hacker. Yeah, yeah. So, old guys, we've been lining up against each other a lot. Actually, John Davis, uh, myself, and Ben Beach were all on the same Nike Cross national team back in 2015. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> we were so teammates. cool. Yeah. We were teammates for one day. Yeah, it's so neat. All right, Morgan, let's get you out of here with a few quick ones to wrap up, okay? First, 
Next time I am in East Lansing. I've been there once before. Nice town. Next time I'm there, where should I eat? Where should you eat? Ooh. Um, you know, I have not been there for a while, but I really enjoy Dublin. Okay. Uh, whether you're just trying to go out and uh, hang out, look for a bar, if you're there late enough, it's nice, but they do serve really good food. The whole, the whole strip downtown, like pick your poison. They got sushi places. We got ramen places all over the place, uh, all down the strip. It's only about a mile worth of restaurants, but my, my go-to is Dublin when I don't know where to eat. All right. I'm putting it on the list. All uh, right. Who is the more intimidating Michigan state sports coach, basketball coach, Tom Izzo or football coach, Mel Tucker. Ooh, you know, I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of videos of Tom Izzo in games. You know, if, man, I wish you would have asked me that question about a year and a half ago, and I would have said Walt Trent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Izzo. Okay. I, I just, when I watch Tucker in, on the sideline in those football games, he's kind of like the father who just has to look at you and you feel a little disappointed in yourself. But, yeah, Izzo is fiery, man. That's uh, yeah, That's a good pick. Uh, you are the next in a line of men with lustrous mustaches to join the show. Um, off the top of my head, Frank Lara, Craig Engels, Joe Klecker. Now we add you to the list. Any male facial grooming tips you can provide the audience? Oh, I think my, my biggest or best advice I can give, except the fact when you can't grow a mustache. <sighs> if it can't happen, it can't happen. Dude, that is where I am. I have accepted that as a grown man. I just understand it's who I am. If, uh, if you can't grow a beard, don't try it. If uh, you can't grow a mustache, just let it go. Find your strengths elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that is well said. That might be the big takeaway from this episode, Morgan. Uh, last, last one. It's the day after NCAA champs. You've run a tremendous race, maybe two. We'll see what happens. You get up for the breakfast buffet you're hungry, you're free to eat whatever you want. I have three choices for you. Rank these in order for me. French toast, pancakes, waffles. French toast, waffles, pancakes. Uh, Easy. French, French toast, toast is so, so far beyond the other two. Um, yeah, French toast I will be eating after the race. <sighs> big breakfast food guy yes we are we are kindred spirits on the french toast that is a great pick i am with you my man uh, morgan this has been so much fun and we we are so thankful for you sharing your time with us thank, thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me it has been a lot of fun our thanks again to morgan and two quick items before we go First, our presenting sponsor, Run In, and our good friends at Do South Coffee will be coming together with Seconds Flat for a running event on Saturday morning, March 26th, at Do South's Hampton Station location. We're inviting everyone to join an 8 a.m. hill session designed for runners of all levels and coffee and some treats afterward. We'll have full details and our other participating sponsors for you here next time. And finally, congrats to a friend of the show on his debut marathon. Our guy Tyler ran the Publix Atlanta Marathon last weekend, and despite some pretty challenging weather conditions, he easily beat his pre-race goal. 
And by the looks of the pictures Tyler sent me, he and his friends had a blast. So kudos to Tyler. We'll see you next time right here on Mile 110 of Seconds Flat.